Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What's your favorite salad? Mmm. Let's be healthy for hour two of the Colleen and Brad show on my talk yeah. about I don't care. It could be like a pizza salad. Actually, that's a thing. I'll tell you whose favorite salad is pizza salad. Uh, In a few moments here on the Colleen and Bradley show, but we are kicking off the second hour asking you, yes, I know what your favorite salad is. 651-641-1071. Holly, perhaps you have questions. I have a lot of questions, Bradley. Specifically, why the heck? Why the heck are we talking about salads this afternoon? Because of Olivia Wilde and her secret (laughs) special dressing. Got everybody talking about celebrities and their salads since yesterday. And well, of course, the good people of E! News. That's E with an exclamation point. Well, actually, the exclamation point is the E. It was very clever how they did that, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is why they are a leading news agency today. And they have an article called, So, we think we found Olivia Wilde's salad dressing, and it sounds amazing. Thanks, Really? Does it? I mean, also, we found it yesterday ourselves on the Colleen and Bradley Show. Check the podcast and the YouTube video, because we taste tested Olivia Wilde's secret salad dressing. And on let, our program. Yeah. And let me tell you, E! News is overselling that. Mm. It was neither a secret nor special. And here's no. why. Secret, uh, because I found it courtesy of a listener who found it on the Food Network, where al- allegedly, supposedly, Olivia Wilde showed up and shared her secret salad dressing. However, that's not the only reason we know this secret salad dressing. Um, but... Um, what was I saying? We're salad talking about and secrets secret. and secrets and but celebrity salads. But that got me <laughs> talking about all these other celebrities' favorite salads. So I thought we could just have a little salad chain. Oh, great. Oh, celebrity salads. Okay, so. Like Drew Barrymore. Oh, all right. She's the Let's one who guess. loves a pizza salad. Oh, she. So the pizza salad, I feel like there's a pepperoni component, maybe oh, yeah. a banana pepper, she, um, light on the vegetables. I'm thinking maybe it's more of a pasta salad. As E would like you to know, she caused a meltdown on TikTok when she shared her pizza salad recipe. Basically, you just grab all your favorite uh, pizza toppings, put them on a salad, with some extra veggies and the dressing of your choice. Wow. But no crust. Oh, I remember her doing this. She took a slice of pizza, Brandley. Oh, God. And she literally scraped the toppings off of the slice of pizza and put it on a plate. Also, that's did she, pizza salad. Is that where Papa John's got their idea for crustless pizza? Probably. Where they just picked off the pizza toppings and plopped it in a bowl and then charged us for the privilege. Yeah. Don't recommend. It's like, I, why would I do, why would I pay what? you for that? Cause now I'm not, I don't even get crust. Let's yeah. go to Jeff. He has a favorite salad and then we'll Great. get back to some more celebs. Jeff, what's your favorite salad? 
Well, I love this topic because I love this salad. I um, like a good homemade coleslaw, Ooh. but then I chop up some tomatoes, cucumbers, and green peppers, and I throw that in with the mix, and it's fantastic. Oh, I have never heard of such things, Jeff, but I like it's, where you're going. Yeah, they call it a summer salad. Some places sell it, but I add a little my own touch. Okay. Jeff, thank you for sharing your special yeah. salad touches. Yes, that's the thing about salads. You can make it whatever you want. I know. That's why whenever I see somebody's special salad, I'm like, honey, I mean, I make salads all the time. You just throw a bunch of stuff in a bowl and there's no recipe necessary. And you and and then you toss it. Olivia, wa- and then you toss it. <laughs> Jennifer Aniston, do you remember her uh, salad trend? Jennifer Aniston salad trend took the Internet by storm when TikTok revitalized it. I believe that this is the famed salad that Jennifer Aniston would have every single day whilst at lunch on the Warner Brothers lot making friends. Do you remember what it was, though? There is feta cheese involved. Definitely feta cheese. I think that there's some kind of perhaps chickpea or bean element. Oh, sorry. That was, my ding was a little loud. And then <laughs> as far as that goes, I have no idea. Basically, it's a souped up cob. It's essentially a cob and a Greek salad thrown together. That's great. Which I but don't, it, but I don't it, know. But it's works. Jennifer Aniston. But it's salad. got a lot of stuff. And that's again, great. I'm like, that's not your salad. No. That's like, that's that's an open source salad, free to everyone. You threw crap in a bowl and you tossed yeah. it together it's and you like... called it Jennifer Aniston salad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Mike, do you have a favorite salad? A uh, favorite, if I'm going all out, like a nice big meal would be the uh, like cranberry feta and candied walnut. Ooh. I love going that route. Yeah. Yeah. I like those kinds of, of salads. Mm-hmm. See, I am a fan of, I don't have a signature salad because truly I just like to throw things in a bowl depending on what I have, but I love my like signature salad move is to do opposites. Mm -hmm. So you got some, you know, sweet, you got some salty, you got some soft, you got some crunchy, you got some, uh, greens, you got something else. I mean, like literally it's just, I just like a bunch of things. I want a little bit of everything in my salad bowl. It's like a party in your mouth and everyone's invited. Do you have a secret salad? I don't have a secret salad. Are we supposed to have a signature salad? Well, if you want to be a celebrity woman, you do, because I will also just mention that E's only only included women on the um, celebrities with their favorite salads list. Yeah, because you you know only ladies like to eat salads. Yeah. And you have to eat it while you're smiling. That that is just (laughs) par for the course. (laughs) And I mean, other than Drew Barrymore's, they're all like, you know, healthy. Gwyneth Paltrow's, of course, she just likes to toss sweet potatoes. Uh, in with um, some hulled pepitas. That's not a salad. Some lime zest and red onion. Okay, that's not a salad. That is sweet potatoes with onion on it. That is a lie. Bella Hadid shared her easy recipe for number one salad. Oh, okay. I mean, I guess that's a better than a number two salad. (laughs) A good salad's gonna gonna be a number two salad. Here's Bella Hadid's signature salad. See if this sounds special. Great. Arugula. Yummy. Cucumbers. Uh-huh. Red peppers. Yep. Parmesan. Mm-hmm. Avocado. These are just, this is just, this is, this is not, no, the, these celebrities do not have signature salads. I am canceling signature salads for celebrities because they are just regular old-fashioned salads. Now, we did ask what your favorite salad is. Yes. Panda tweeted us saying, I love a good buffalo chicken salad ground round. Ooh, the used ground to, round. Used to have the Throwback. best one, I know. Uh, Thai peanut chicken, 
says, love is the law. That is their favorite salad. I do love anything with, um, again, you know, like a Thai peanut chick. Like, because again, that's got like a little savory, probably a little sweet, maybe some like orange, some fruit. I just, I love all the compost. I love crunch. I could eat salad every day. My idea of being Oprah level rich would be to have my own salad bar fully stocked and maintained at all times in my home. It's like you have a Ruby Tuesday. Like a Ruby Tuesdays <laughs> or a super salad, right? What's a super salad? Oh my God, what have you this? never been to a super no, salad? No, I've been to a soup plantation back in what the day. What is that? Okay, that well, does not sound me, good. You tell me your salad, I'll okay, tell you mine. Super salad, um, super salad is like, uh, it's just a buffet where you pick your soup and then you go make your salad bar. And it's just basically like you can make your own, you know, fresh every day. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what soup plantation was. It no longer exists. RIP soup plantation. But it was like you go in and it's a super salad place. What's the joint in a diner? That's that's, super salad, isn't it? it? The one with with the soft serve that you can give yourself? I don't know what that is. What is that? There is a place. salad? There is a place that is a time capsule in a diner. And it is a place where you go and you can get all you can eat super salad. And it's near Centennial Lakes I think Park. that's super salad. But I don't know anything about no soft serve. So I'm not oh, sure cucumbers. What... Cucumbers. That's yes. It! Yes. You're absolutely right. Let's go to the phones because I want to make sure we get Please. listeners. And we did ask a question. What's your favorite salad? Shelly's on the line. Shelly, what's your favorite salad? Hey, Shelly. Shelly's busy eating her salad. We'll move along to Phil. Phil, what's your favorite salad? Phil? Hey, guys. What's your, you? Good. What's your favorite salad? Let's go old school. Growing up, I had a jello salad. It was lime jello with fruit cocktail, shaved carrots. No. With a with with the mayo topping. Phil, your your salad is canceled. <laughs> Sorry, Phil. Your salad is no longer. Uh, no, no, but but my my taste buds have improved now. Now, as an adult, okay, I like a Snicker salad. <laughs> okay, well, at least I would entertain uh, the Snickers salad. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Just nice get, try, Phil, yeah, with the, get, get with that, that mayo. nasty mayo. And the carrots. All right. When we come back, thanks, salad uh, shooters. I did want to play like the salad shooter mm-hmm. uh, infomercial, but we yeah, didn't have time. That's okay. When we come back, we have to get the Cobra Gang together because, um, you know, Kanye has been in headlines recently, which has been problematic for a number of reasons. However, we just got another headline about Kanye today that involves the end of his marriage with Kim. And I know you think to yourself, didn't that happen already? No, not officially, but it will soon, uh, apparently. And we'll tell you why when we return right here on My Talk 107.1. You guys, we need to get the Cobra Gang together because, well, Kanye's in headlines for his divorce from Kim. And I thought that was all done, but it's not. I've got some details and it might be connected to some of the other headlines we've seen regarding Kanye. Good afternoon. Welcome back. To the Colleen and Bradley show here on My Talk 1071. All right, Mike, let's get the Cobra Gang together. Whenever there's trouble, without a double, we're the Cobra Gang. If you've got the crime, we've got the time, we're the Cobra Gang. It doesn't always have to be a crime. I just thought I'd point that out for the new listener. We Thank just get you. the Cobra Gang together to solve pop culture mysteries. Kids, today we must solve the mysterious case. Of Kim and Kanye's divorce. Ooh. It hasn't been finalized yet. Did you know that? You probably did know that because you're you're smart. Maybe. 
But I don't know where in the divorce proceedings Kim and Kanye's relationship is at at this point. Meaning, I know that it's not finalized, but I don't know what the heck is going yeah. on with the, you know, the details. You're not alone, because that's where I was. And yeah. then I saw this story over at page six, and it said simply this. Kanye finally taking steps to finalize divorce. That's a lot of finals. That's great. From Kim. And I thought, okay, what, what does this actually mean? Because we've heard a lot about Kanye in recent days, mostly for uh, horrible reasons. Ugh. But this is actually related to something we talk about a lot, and that's his marriage. I'm sorry, I get very emotional. I know, it's hard. And I was Divorce eating a protein bar really in the break, hard. and it's hard to swallow quickly. So Kanye apparently is ready to legally settle his divorce, meaning financial, like get everything done, boop, boop, boom, financially with the divorce between the two of them. Because according to documents that were obtained by Page Six, Kanye has filed a, quote, declaration of disclosure, which I guess, because I don't know about these things, is usually filed when a divorce case is on the verge of being settled. Hmm. So that would involve their financial doings. The documents also show that Kanye, by the way, get this, Mike, how old do you think Kanye is? Oh, my. Um, 48? No. Okay. Yeah, yeah, not actually far off. Ollie, do you know? He's probably in his early to mid 40s. Yeah. Kanye is two years younger than I am. And I don't know why that blows my mind. <laughs> I think I'm just perennially in my 30s. And anytime somebody's younger than me and I think they're older, I'm confused. Well, so anyway, because, he's only 45. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's been a part of the public conversation for decades yeah, exactly. at this point. Um, so uh, these documents also show that Kanye, who's 45, has sent over all his financial information to Kim. Now, they have agreed on how to split up their multi alleged multi-billion dollar empire because I don't really know what's going on in their bank account. But apparently there is still no indication that there's any agreement on the kids in the custody. That's a separate conversation. However, to me, I'm so interested about the financial stuff. Like they are ready to come to an agreement on financials, despite the fact that like verbally, visually, et cetera, we know that they're still fighting over custody or at least Kanye seems like he's not copacetic with the way Kim has handled things and vice versa. Mm hmm. So, like, the money is fine, but the kids are not, which is really interesting to me, especially, here's why I got us all together today. Well, we have to solve a mystery. We have to solve a mystery. Mm -hmm. And I think the mystery is simply, what's going on with with, uh, them being willing to, to, like, deal with each other financially, which seems like the harder sell? Sure. Because well, it seemed like everything, you know, they would have a really easy way to manage how they have custody of the kids. Mm-hmm. Mostly because Kim has been providing the primary amount of support, it seems. Yeah. Day to day. Yeah. And financially, you'd think they'd argue about a lot more, no? You would think. But our friend NT lawyer Bradley <gasps> has some things to say about Kim and Kanye's financial status. Like maybe it's one of these. Yes, now I'm going to be paraphrasing things and gossip and information from crazydaysandnights.net. But for a long time, Bradley, the celebrity gossip mystery that points to Kim Kardashian and Kanye West is the fact, the maybe allegedly supposedly truth of the matter is, is that Kim Kardashian basically owns all of Kanye's business ventures and that she is the one who is in control. She is the one who is actually worth money. And Kanye, he himself doesn't have a lot of say in the matter. 
he might not perhaps be as wealthy as he portrays himself to be. And in fact, it's Kim Kardashian who has a controlling stake in most of his business ventures. So if that's the case, this should be relatively easy to settle. Which means he would be more inclined to do whatever it is that she wants, which means that's why he's inclined to settle because he knows she has the power. And if he wants to have a chance to have more control uh, in the life of his children, perhaps he's willing to do whatever she needs him to do financially. Right. Also, remember, we just heard this like Alec. Well, I mean, he said in some context publicly that he was going to buy Parler, the social media platform. I mean, if he's trying to get a bunch of money together, I mean, again, another reason to be, you know, at Kim's beck and call in terms of meeting out whatever financial uh, agreements she would like to arrange. Right. So perhaps he needs to finalize this part of his life in order to move on to Mm. other business Mm. ventures that require financing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... Those are just the blind items that NT Lawyer has been talking about for quite some time regarding the finances of Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. And it seems plausible, right? Because I, the, the one thing I will say is I could see where Kim was, uh, not Kim, Chris actually stepped in while they were together and and helped negotiate things for Kanye or arrange things to Kim's benefit while she was with Kanye, mm-hmm. uh, such that like if he needed liquidity and like having access to cash, you know, they could make deals with him that maybe now he's like, oh, right. Well, here's a blind item from yesterday. The reality family is leaking to the media. What I anti-lawyer have been telling you for quite some time. The A-list rapper has no money. It's all smoke and mirrors. The only thing he has that is worth anything are several very high dollar life insurance policies. Well, more on that. Hey, kids, I don't think we necessarily solved everything. No, but I think we're a little closer to the truth. That's right. Thank you. When we come back. Celebrities behaving badly. We call them D-Bags. Right here on My Talk 107.1. Welcome back to the Colleen and Bradley Show here on My Talk 107.1. We're streaming live, doing everything entertainment at MyTalk1071.com. I'm Bradley Trainer. Colleen will be back with us on Monday. Holly and Mike around for fun. We got Grant showing up later. We got a special guest uh, and a podcast I want you to check out uh, in the next segment. But right now, we're going to talk about some celebrities behaving badly. We call them D-Bags. Presenting Lord and Lady Douchebag of the Day. Hey, Holly. Yeah, Bradley. Who's your teabag? Um, I hate to speak ill of the recently departed, but Ivan Reitman. You're going to. But I'm going to. Well, and it's because Anna Ferris is sharing her story oh. about working with the late director Ivan Reitman. Okay, tell and me more. Ivan Reitman, because of the story that Anna Ferris is sharing about working with him, is my D bag of the day. Now, director Ivan Reitman, pretty classic movie director, the helmer of such movies as the two Ghostbusters yeah. movies from the 1980s, Twins, oh, for sure. Kindergarten Cop. Junior uh, produced movies like Animal House, Space Jam, and Private Parts. Uh, he passed away earlier this year at the age of 75. While Anna Ferris worked with Ivan Reitman on the movie My Super Ex-Girlfriend. And she's claiming that he inappropriately touched her on the set of that 2006 romantic comedy. Oh my God, ew. Yeah, she says on her podcast on Qualified Bradley that Ivan Reitman slapped my bleep. 
What was the bleep? But okay, I was gonna say yeah, but she didn't say but, and that you know I like to keep it. yeah. Thank you. I can do it. I don't mind. I know I get scared sometimes. It's fine. It's okay, fine. thank you. Um, during production, <laughs> and then on the first day of filming, when she was on the set, he yelled at her, leaving her feeling angry, hurt, and humiliated. Uh, uh, you just don't want to hear stories like this, right? Because you don't. You, sometimes you just want to put your hands on your ears and pretend. That you're a child and you go, la, 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 I can't hear you. Because, you know, I mean, again, you think of all the creative work that this person has done and you don't want to think about them being a jerk or worse. Yeah. Well, Ivan Reitman, by all means, according to Anna Ferris, was a big old jerk. And she, a ledge. Yes. And she said one of my hardest film experiences on her podcast uh, was with Ivan Reitman. I mean, the idea of attempting to make a comedy under this reign of terror. He was a yeller. He would bring down somebody every day. And my first day... It was me. And then apparently at one point during filming, he decided to slap her. Mm. She, Yeah, thank you. She was on a ladder and she was supposed to be taking a books off of a shelf and he, shelf and he slapped my mm in front of the crew so hard. All I could do is giggle. Now, this kind of reminds me of a story, Bradley, that we talked about last week or early this week, kind of concerning Gina Davis and, oh, and Bill, Bill Murray. Murray. Mm-hmm. She said, "I who Gina Davis at the time, Bill Murray was acting inappropriately towards her. She just kind of feigned it off and laughed it off. But she is now reflecting in her memoir that she's releasing that she wishes she had acted differently. And that's kind of what Anna Ferris is saying, too. She was just like, well, I just had to dismiss this. She laughed it off. But now she admits that Ivan Reitman's actions made her feel small and he wouldn't have done that to the lead male. Yeah, that I mean, that's just the tell. And it's just it's so frustrating because you hear stories like this time and time again. Hopefully, hopefully, although who am I to speak? I don't know. These kinds of situations are not going to persist because people have finally felt comfortable calling them out. And we have platforms for people to do that. Yeah, safe ones, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, you know, people can feel, let me put it this way. Some people have a platform to share these kinds of moments in a way that they are protected or at least um, safer than they used to be. I bet, though, that there is still a lot of behavior that goes on talked about, and I think no further than a network that rhymes with Schmickelodeon. Uh, who has had some problematic behavior in, in re, you know, not necessarily super recent years, but like this stuff still goes on is what I'm saying. And I bet there are a lot of people who still don't feel comfortable coming forward when behavior like this goes on. Right. Um, and it's because, you know, as far as we've come, it's still a hard culture to to break in some ways, I would imagine. Yeah. And I hear what you're saying, Bradley, and that. The thing that Anna Ferris and Gina Davis both have is they have power. Yeah. Independent of industries where they can say this about people in power and it's not going to affect them. But perhaps there are other folks who are working in the industry or who are, who, who are out in the world at large. And they feel like if they say something, it may compromise their ability to make a living. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, think of like, like, you know, someone working at a restaurant, someone yeah. working in a hotel, mm-hmm. someone working at a, you know, like any corporate setting that doesn't have, uh, you know, yeah. an easy way mm-hmm. to, to account for stuff like this. So, right. but I, I think as, as, as 
the part of me that feels discomforted, is that a word, by learning stories about people whose work you respect is, despite how uncomfortable that is, um, it's still important to know. It is important right? to know. So, like, right. I know some people, their reaction might be like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> He's dead. Uh-huh. It's like, well, but see, if we didn't know this, then that behavior would persist because nobody would think it was an issue. But now we know it is. And so when we hear stories like this, it's uncomfortable. Uh, but think about how awesome it is, you know, for people like Anna Ferris to feel you know, like liberated to share these things, first of all. And then maybe it's like a little bit more helpful for people who are dealing with it right now. Exactly. Because they can identify and they can say, I'm not alone. This is not just, it's not me. It's this person. Mm-hmm. And side note, observation, Ivan Reitman and Bill Murray worked very closely together. <sighs> so I'll be very curious to see what other stories come forward about all of these people who worked <sighs> In this orbit also, at this time. Are you surprised by any of this? No. I absolutely not. The culture of Hollywood no. in that time period, you can imagine it was just rife with inappropriateness. Yeah. The producer of Animal House Ugh, acting inappropriate towards female members yeah. of his staff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's your D bag? My D bag is Josh Hall. Who's Josh Hall? I don't know. <laughs> Josh, sorry, Josh. Okay. Well, it's the hus- it's the story, but okay, it, it okay. involves Joshua Hall, who's the husband of Christina Hack. And here was a headline. Maybe it's a little bit of the Daily Mail. Oh, Christina Hack, the HGTV. Yeah, person. remember, so she I was, had to go to the Rolodex. She was married to Aunt Anstead. That's right. Before uh, she was married to the other property, not property guy. What's his name? M- uh, Ter- Tarek El Musa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Not Felon Sunset. It's um. God, what was their show? Doesn't matter. You know what it is, HGTV. Anyway, Christina Hack's husband, Josh Hall, says they needed to, quote, disconnect during their Mexican vacation. Disconnect from? The internet? The anger. And I was like, okay, what is the anger? Oh, is that disconnecting? Is that like a new movie that's coming out for Halloween (laughs) where you have to. Hey, that would be fun. At 1230 on every Wednesday, it's time for the anger. You just get to show up and be angry. No, um, apparently they uh, enjoyed a vacation last week and they were seen having fun at the, quote, one and only Mandarina in Mexico. They shared images on Instagram trying to relax. And soon, Christina Hack's husband took to Instagram to give his own comments, saying the following, Holly, uh, that he was happy to get away from angry people. Like, oh, it's this vacation is so wonderful. Look at us on our fabulous Mexican vacation. I'm so glad we got away from angry people. Well, you know who he was talking about. Was he talking about Aunt Anstead? Apparently, Aunt Anstead lashed out at Christina after she posted photos of their son Hudson on Instagram. We have Ooh. talked about these two. Do you remember? Was you probably I here don't because you don't care, and no, I, I don't blame. Don't no, no, care. I'm saying I don't blame you. Most people don't, <laughs> but there was this like social media beef between them because he was. I don't remember who started it, but essentially it was like he didn't want the kids on social media. She posted the kids on social media. He was angry about her posting the kids on social media. She's like, "You're just making a thing about it because you're trying to make a thing about it. Mm-hmm. Leave me alone." Mm-hmm. And so. uh he, of course, in his caption, her husband now at their fabulous one and only Mandarina Mexico vacation says, in a world filled with so much anger and negativity, it's always important to make time for some R&R with your person between the grind that is life and disconnect. 
That's great. I'm really happy for you. So that was like you. a subtle dig. I would ask, though, Mr. Josh Hall, what is your participation in the anger and the negativity? Look in the mirror, honey, because well, it seems like you're... tweet people or like, <laughs> you know, you. like like shade people on Instagram captions and not be part of the problem, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's like, you're like, you know, like... That's like showing up somewhere and being like, well, at least I'm not a horrible person. And you're looking at the person you think is horrible. Well, okay, but I don't know that a non-horrible person is being a D-bag to another person, period. A non-horrible person wouldn't antagonize (laughs) the horrible person because now you have become the horrible person. And that's, yeah. Thank you, Josh Hall, for providing that clarity about your position about anger and negativity. I will say they did have fun uh, on their excursions. They enjoyed plenty of afternoon alfresco lunches <laughs> overlooking the sea. <laughs> That's and really nice. I'm sure they got a deal from the one and only Mandarina Mexico. Oh, geez. Do you think that this maybe perhaps is a little spawn con experience? Of course. Too? And I don't blame them. Get your spawn, honey. Get your spawn conned. That's well. I mean, I'm just saying like, you know, earn it. But like. Don't be so, like, just say, like, we're enjoying our fabulous vacation at one and only Mandarina, Mexico. Hashtag partner. Yeah. Hashtag ad. <laughs> but not yeah. hashtag. Some people are so full of anger and vitriol that they need to stop their vacations to, you know, be shady in the caption. Thank you. Anyway, whatever. Thank That's my deep bag. Hey, guess what? What? We have a very special guest coming up on the Colleen and Bradley Show. We're going to round out the second hour of our show today. It's Wednesday, hump day, beautiful day, Mm -hmm. except it's a little cold, with uh, a gentleman by the name of J.P. Dare uh, Bogosian. And J.P. actually has a podcast that uh, you might very well be interested in. And I learned about it from our good friend Paul McGuire Grimes. It's called This Queer Book Saved My Life. Uh, We're going to talk to JP when we come back and uh, what you can expect on the second season of his podcast right here on My Talk 1071. Welcome back to the Colleen and Bradley show on My Talk 1071. I'm Bradley Trainer. That's Holly Roberts. Mike, of course, you've already heard from and we are welcoming a very special guest to the show today. The host of This Queer Book Saved My Life, a podcast I hope you will check out. And the founder of that podcast, the host, has joined us. His name is J.P. Derbogosian. J.P., thanks for being with us. Thank you. It's great to be here. Can you tell our listeners who may not be familiar with your podcast what This Queer Book Saved My Life is all about? Yeah. So the podcast is conversations with LGBTQ people about the queer book that saved their life. So this is a book that had some sort of life-saving feature for them. Uh, so that could mean that it gave them the language to live their life more authentically. We've had some guests where the book like literally helped them begin gender affirmation or process an abusive relationship that they had in the past. So it's any type of book that had a life-saving feature for them, an LGBTQ book. And then uh, about halfway through the episode, we bring in the book's author to have a conversation with the guest and talk about where the book came from for them, what it was like for them to write this book. And then our guest and our author get to have a lovely conversation themselves. So that in a nutshell is the podcast. I'm so glad you explained that. And I will say that when I first learned about your podcast and I learned about it from our good friend Paul McGuire Grimes, um, and I believe he was a was he a guest on the show? Or on your podcast, or you, uh, you guys had a conversation, perhaps, at one point? 
I think we talked. Um, and I will say that when I uh, learned about what the actual premise of your podcast was, I was so excited because in addition to kind of like the book club feature of providing like suggested, you know, here's a book that you might be interested in. You you then do something really magical. And that's, as you said, bring in the author of the book itself, which just seems such a wonderful way to add emphasis and to go deeper on the conversations that you start with, uh, you know, with your initial guest. The conversations between the guests and the authors are really my favorite part about the show. I mean, it's weird, I guess, for a podcast host to be like, I turn my mic off and just (laughs) sit back and let them talk. But there have been a lot of times uh, in episodes where that was very much the case, where I was like, go, please talk. I want this moment for the both of you. I think it's great for the author to hear how their book has impacted another human being. And also that idea of saved, right? Like, I don't ask people about what's your favorite book, right? I'm like, I want to know because of the times that we're living in, right, that are precarious for queer people and actually many marginalized communities. But I was like, we need to be lifting up the books written by the authors that have saved people's lives. And how did they save someone's life? And if you're looking for a book to read, why not pick that one? And uh, how do you find guests for your podcast? Are Are you going through personal connections? Are folks reaching out to you expressing that a book saved them and they really want to talk about it? So it's pretty much a uh, trifold, I guess you would say. So I have asked uh, friends and colleagues because I didn't want to be like <laughs> that guy who starts something and then like doesn't ask. You know, so I'm like, it's yeah. always good to ask. And then I do some recruitment as well. So I look for folks in a variety of, you know, different organizations or positions. Um, there was an episode with a uh, lovely guest, Yanni Oliveira from the New Haven Pride Center. Right. And I was like, I want to find a uh, staffers from LGBTQ centers. And then we do have folks also that go to the website or they find me on social media and they say, I loved an episode. I want to talk about my book. This is what it is. So, yeah those three different ways if you're just joining us we're talking to jp derbogosian about his podcast and uh, this queer book saved my life jp can you give us some highlights i know you're going into your second season right now can you give us some highlights that listeners will have to look forward to in your upcoming season Absolutely. So I do want to highlight our, so we debuted season two on October 4th, and I was really excited about that episode. And it's a great entry point, I feel, to the podcast, if you haven't listened to it yet. It is with uh, Joe Perrazzo. He's a PhD and also a nurse working specifically in HIV care. And the guest, author rather, is Greg Luganis, who greatest diver of all time, four-time gold medalist, silver medalist as well. And it was really fascinating to hear how Joe got the book as a gift, because he was a diver too, as um, as a kid, how he got the book and how it helped him process some bullying. And then he came back to it a few years later to process his coming out journey. And then how it had this kind of like context of how he got into HIV as a care practitioner, right? And for folks who don't know about Greg, uh, Greg hit his head on the diving board during the Olympics uh, in 1988. And he went on to win the gold medal in that particular event. But afterwards we found out that he was living with HIV. And so there was this like concern, right? And this like scariness of what, you know, what happened in the water. And there was all that, you know, stigma Mm -hmm. and that, you know, kind of nonsense science about how HIV was transmitted at the time. But it was really fascinating to hear Greg talk about what was going into writing that book and how he came out because, you know, Greg Luganis, he came out on Oprah, right? And with Barbara Walters. And so to get the behind the scenes of that and then to have Joe talking about 
how his book led to getting into HIV research. And like he even zeroes in on the moment where individuals find out, right, that they have the diagnosis. And then he wants to be there for them in that moment, both just emotionally, but then here is the care options that we can get to you. Like you're going to, you're going to live with this and we're going to, you know, you're going to have a great life and you're going to go on. And this isn't, you know, like it used to be, which is a death sentence. So I think it's really, that is an amazing episode. Uh, to dive into if you haven't huh, dive into I see what you did if you there. haven't joined the podcast <laughs> and then um, some upcoming authors so if you all know uh, Secret Society which was a fantastic book in the early aughts and is now an Amazon movie uh, it's written by Miyasha so that will be coming up in December and the guest is Lasaya Wade who co-founded no founded not co-founded founded the Brave Space Alliance which is a space in Chicago, specifically for um, people of color who are non gender nonconforming or trans. Amazing organization. Lasai has a beautiful story. And I don't want to give too much away about it, about the episode, but the trans woman that Miyasha talked to about getting background and information for the book that she was writing, she unfortunately lost touch with them. But in the podcast episode itself, Lasai was like, hang on. I think I can find her. And like, we are actually in the process right now of like finding that individual and connecting them to Miyasha. So it was just a magical episode. You have that to look forward to in season two. Uh, We have another episode that is, if you like YA fiction, the author, S.A. Chant, wrote a book called Peter Darling, which is a reimagining of Peter Pan and his relationship to Captain Hook and also looking at like gender identity. Mm-hmm. And for the guest, Henry Holding, the book came to him multiple times as well in the sense that the first time he read it, he began to understand himself as trans and began his gender affirmation process. And then he returned to the book a few years later and then began to understand himself as being bisexual. And so it was also like this amazing conversation, both about how this book impacted him, how S.A. wrote the book as well. And then the conversation between the two of them is just a delight. So a couple episodes to look forward to this season. Well, you know, I want to thank you so much, JP, for joining us. And I'm going to make sure that we post uh, everything on our, our show page so that listeners can find your podcast if if they're not in a place to write it down. Again, the podcast is called This Queer Book Saved My Life. And I have I wish we had more time because I would love to ask you more questions. But I love the premise of the podcast. And there must yes. just be so much magic in the rela- or the experience of listening to the person who was affected by the book connect with the person who wrote the book and i bet there's so much learning that goes on between the two of them and appreciation so i'm i'm looking forward to the second season and i thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to share it with us thank you and we are doing real quick a live recording at lush lounge and theater on november 10th so if you like the podcast want to have some good food and drinks you can join us at lush lounge and theater for a live recording thanks for having me on <laughs> absolutely jp thank you. thank you so much again that's this queer book saved my life and that was jp derbogosi and i'll put the link on our show page later today when we come back here on the colleen and bradley show We have a game we're going to play. Holly is going to host a brand new game. And trust me when I tell you, you're going to want to tune in. Grant's going to join us on the other side of this right here on My Talk 107.1. 
For nine years, a dangerous man terrorized women, breaking into homes and raping his victims before killing a brilliant young scientist in 1998. The more the victims resisted, the more violent he became. Then he suddenly stops, leaving police with a lot of clues and one unknown subject. I'm Paul Wagner. Join me for Unknown Subject, season three of WTOP's American Nightmare podcast series. Search American Nightmare podcast on all podcast platforms today. 